Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about transit, transit here in southeast Michigan. The Regional Transit Authority gets a vote to go before voters in November to get its funding going. And uh, we'll also talk about the history of transit here in the region. How has it taken us so long, decades in fact, to get our act together just to, to have a plan on the table to get uh, better transit. And then uh, we're going to wrap with uh, a conversation with somebody who is an advocate for those who rely on transit here in southeast Michigan to get around and what life is like in a place where transit's sort of patchy and spotty and uh, unreliable. If you want to join the conversation this hour, talk about transit, talk about how you feel about the Regional Transit Authority and the ask that's being made in November of you and uh, the other people in this community to fund a system-wide transit authority here in Southeast Michigan, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Also, we want to hear from folks who use public transit to commute here in southeast Michigan. I always get the impression that's much, much tougher than it is in other places that I've lived, but I don't use public transit to get back and forth to work uh, yet, although I should say when the M1 rail opens up, uh, I will also be a transit uh, rider every day. But uh, give us a call. Tell us what your commute is like. Tell us how you think your commute could be improved by public transit. 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, the Regional Transit Authority's plan to expand and improve mass transit here in Metro Detroit goes before voters, as I said, in November. An 11th hour stalemate from leaders in Macomb and Oakland counties threatened to keep the question of a millage increase off the ballot, but they managed to reach a deal last week. Here to talk about how that deal took shape, how the negotiations wound us up in the right space is Paul Hilligans, RTA chairman, former uh, state legislator here, uh, a guy who's been around for a very long time working on these and other regional issues in southeast Michigan. Paul, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, talk about this deal uh, that we got uh, at the at the very last minute, uh, and and the kinds of uh, give and take that 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 had to take place in the negotiations between folks from Detroit and Wayne County, Washtenaw County, who uh, were in favor of the plan as it has been sort of rendered over the last two years, and leaders in Oakland and in Macomb, who uh, very late in the process uh, came up with uh, objections to the way that it was structured. How did you? How did you work all that out? Well, the, the law does require a supermajority uh, vote of our board to place an issue on the ballot. So right. we needed seven of nine votes and, and at least one vote from every jurisdiction. At, at, in the last week before that vote was to occur, um, Oakland and Macomb did register concerns, one on governance, uh, and, and there was the desire to have uh, a vote from every jurisdiction in order to uh, decide how we would allocate federal and state dollars by formula, as well as as uh, changes in the master plan. Um, that is not required by statute and was a new issue. The other issue had been around. Um, Oakland County was concerned that the out-county areas um, should be better served in our master plan with paratransit or on-demand service. And, and uh, while uh, the plan 
uh, did uh, allocate dollars for that service, um, in the end, um, there was a definition of how much more would be needed. Um, also, there was the issue of M1 rail and, and when we would acquire that under the master plan. Yeah. So we tried to vote um, to put this on the ballot. We didn't have the supermajority required because of Macomb and Oakland County objections. And at that point, I did say that uh, the board had taken this as far as we could take it um, and that the regional leadership, which had supported the RTA, regional transit, um, the regional leadership would have to come together. They did come together. And uh, on a Monday following our vote, uh, actually in a very cordial manner and, and very quickly, um, compromise was reached. And, and that compromise now does require a consensus model when we change the allocation formula. Um, and, and we have been operating as a board by consensus, so I'm optimistic that that, that uh, governance model will work. Yeah. Um, we have um, talked about uh, allocating more dollars, uh, probably um, 150% more dollars for paratransit in Oakland County. Um, that will mean less frequency of, of service in the southern part of the county. Um, but it will, I think, make for a stronger uh, case um, when we go to the ballot. And finally, I believe M1 rail issue will be settled as well. So that gets into a lot of detail, but uh, that allowed us to go forward. To get it on the ballot. I so am relieved vote, and happy yeah. we're on the ballot. And finally, after uh, almost five decades, voters will have the opportunity to say yes to regional transit. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that, that I hear as a pushback to the to the RTA is, is that uh, all along the way, and this dates back to the first debates in the legislature about this. Uh, there's been this sort of uh, tinkering with uh, with the plan, sort of pulling pieces off of it, pulling strength out of it uh, in ways that makes it, uh, you know, a very large set of compromises. And of course, uh, you spent a lot of time in the legislature as as a Senate Majority Leader, right? Uh, uh, Actually, in the House. Oh, you were speaker. in the House. That's yeah. right. You were the Speaker. Yeah. Uh, 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 t- this is the way things work. I mean, it's frustrating, I think, sometimes to have to to accept that nobody gets everything they want out of any issue. Uh, it's never perfect. Uh, you're always going to have jurisdictions and individuals who are dissatisfied with the final result. But in, in this case, uh, we do have a regional uh, agreement to work on transit together. Uh, it, it will have funding if it passes in November. The federal funding that we get in this region for public transit is going to go through this authority. I mean, it, it compromises and all, this is a pretty big step forward for the region, right? It really is. Um, if the uh, millage is passed, and, and the millage level was a compromise, really, and, and I think uh, the master plan uh, does a wonderful job connecting the region across county lines, um, north and south, east and west, um, with more rapid transit, but also more reliable transit. Uh, we have a good number of opt-out areas in the four counties um, that will now be covered with cross-county service. Um, express service to the airport. Um, all of these are new additions, very positive. I should mention light rail between Ann Arbor and Detroit, which will be a huge service as well. Yeah. Um, the, the, the compromise uh, allows us to raise $3 billion if the millage passes 
from that millage, but brings in over that 20-year period over a billion dollars from state and federal government. Right. And the failure to compromise um, back in the early 80s when I did serve in the legislature cost this region $400 million, which which uh, the Ford administration and then the Carter administration were right. willing to put on the table if we would just agree as a region. We failed to agree, and it has cost us dearly over the decades. And, and that example, I think, is, is one that, that uh, people don't pay enough attention to. I mean, the argument then, as I remember, and I was a, I was a kid at, at that point, but, but looking back, the argument was over control and, and uh, who was going to get what out of the deal. Uh, and it scuttled the entire, it scuttled the, the whole thing. And I think there was this thought among some folks that, well, we'll try again soon, or that money will still be there in the future when we do get our act together. Of course, that's now 30, 35 years ago uh, that that happened, and we still have no reasonable regional approach to, to public transit. So, I mean, the, the cost of of not compromising, the cost of taking out, uh, staking out absolutist positions uh, and in opposition to these kinds of agreements really does uh, add up over time, and it, it just leaves us behind. It really does. When you look at uh, where we are today relative to other uh, major metro areas in the country, we are far behind, not only in the per capita funding of transit, but in the reliability, the convenience of service. And when you look at how important that is today to connecting to jobs, to vital services, to attracting millennials, um, a, a recent poll, 73% of the millennials considered transit as number one or two in, of importance to the quality of life and, and why they want to live in a metro area. Uh, this is critically important for our economy, and, and we have a lot of catching up to do. I, When you talk about compromise, um, one reason I feel so optimistic that this is a different era. Um, I, I looked at some of the history, and when we had SEMTA, um, a, a failed regional effort, that fell apart over the failure to compromise over how you allocate federal dollars. Yeah. We had that same issue as an RTA board this past year, and the board heard from Detroit, heard from the suburbs, and decided to compromise. And the compromise was not only a compromise in the formula, but one that has going, is going to result in cooperation between SMART, the suburban system, and DDOT, the Detroit system, in the delivery of service along Woodward and Gratiot Avenues. Compromise can be a very positive thing, and, and I think we're seeing that now today with regional transit. Yeah, uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Paul Hilligans. He is the chairman of the Regional Transit Authority. We are talking, as we will be all hour, about transit in southeast Michigan. Uh, big vote in November to decide whether we are going to fund the Regional Transit uh, Authority to be able to start knitting together the, the, the various uh, transit systems that we have that have big gaps uh, and inefficiencies. Uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019. Are you ready to raise taxes 
for transit in the area. How do you think the RTA will benefit you? If you are someone who commutes on public transit, we definitely want to hear from you about what that commute looks like now, what you think could be improved about that commute. Uh, and uh, have you struggled to be able to find employment in southeast Michigan because of our profound gaps in transit? 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. You know what, in terms of in the article, and Steve, you did a, a good job in terms of where you were talking about how the people who want work they can't get there because they don't have a car and there's no transportation to get them to, you know, a job, as well as maybe a doctor's office or what have you. But I ran the, uh, there was an article in the, in the free press about a month ago, and they put in, their, in, in the article about what it would cost, said that a homeowner with a $200,000 home, and I mean, it, it was, I think it came down to something like less than 30 cents a day. I mean, you know, 30 cents a day is not going to put anybody in the poorhouse. Right. And when you look at what the overall benefit is going to be, uh, you know, we'll have a, a, a region which would now be, you know, connected instead of just, you know, DDOT going to 8 Mile and Smart, you know, coming in 8 Mile and can't pick up anybody going downtown and that kind of thing. So me, myself, I'm going to vote for it because I just think, you know, and to me, the guy who brought this thing home about, uh, you know, the, uh, the lack of uh, transportation, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I think his name was James Robinson. Yeah, right. He, he uh-huh. was dubbed the walking man. The walking man, sure. I mean, he was the one that really brought this thing home. And, you know, for the overall benefit of, as, as it says, we the people, I would advise everybody in the listening audience to go out and vote what's going to be in the best interest of all of us. Yeah. Uh, Tom, thanks very much uh, for the call. Uh, Paul Hilligans, the, the, the money issue always uh, always seems to hang us up, and, and it's, it's that people look at the overall dollars uh, and think, oh, my gosh, we're going to pay all of this for, for, for transit. Uh, but there are always two points to that. One is that as an individual, your share of that tends to be pretty small. Uh, as Tom points out, it's a couple of cents a day uh, for, for most people. Uh, but it's also uh, something you mentioned before, which is that for the money that we put in as a region, we leverage a lot more from the federal government. And our failure to do that over time has really been one of the drivers of uh, uh, of the inefficiencies and the incompetencies of the, of the system that we have. Yes. Uh, Tom has raised so many points. But yes, um, on an annual basis, the average homeowner would be paying $95 a year for this service. And, and even if you don't use transit, transit boosts economic development and the return on investment shows up in property values, um, in children staying at home, in grandparents being able to be independent, access to health care and food if they are no longer driving. For those who live in out-county areas and still are using cars, it will be possible to get on a park, uh, to drive to a park and ride and get on rapid transit or to use on-demand service um, to get on a line. Um, Transit potentially benefits everyone for a very small price. What is the price of not doing this? 92% of us today can't access a job within 60 minutes using uh, today's public transit. Um, That is just unacceptable. And and you could say the same for vital services, health care, getting to schools, 
um, we need to be better connected. Well, and when you talk about uh, when you talk about uh, uh, the comparison between Detroit and other metro areas in terms of those numbers that you just talked about, how easy is it to uh, access uh, public transit to get around to get to a job? I mean, is it, these are phenomenal gaps between our region and others. They are phenomenal uh, in t- in terms of what we invest in transit, it's about a third of the average of the other uh, metro areas. And what is really concerning is if you look at a map of what other metro areas have already committed to in the way of improved transit, bus rapid transit especially, um, we are falling further behind. Uh, Let's go to Bill in Rochester Hills. Bill, welcome to Detroit today. Good, good morning, gentlemen. So one of of my uh, apprehensions uh, as a small business owner, as a uh, as a greedy capitalist, wink wink, uh, is, is when we put when we put uh, uh, great ideas like this in the hands of bureaucrats, what ends up happening is we get things like the people mover, or we get that billion trillion dollar uh, project in uh, in San Francisco linking San Francisco to to Timbuktu, and it, and uh, and it becomes something much much different than we here dreaming up ideas about. So that's my apprehension, is if it's such a great idea, and I think it is, why, why, where are these greedy capitalists, why are they not <laughs> lining up to bid uh, on something that we could privatize like this? And, so, then, and then actually come, come up with, with a budget. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, the, the, the one thing I'd, I, I would want to answer before I ask uh, Paul <laughs> Hilligans to, 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 to chime in here is, is the people mover criticism, which is, I think, a really common trope here in southeast Michigan about why and how the people mover got built the way it did. If you go back and look, the people mover was originally part of a regional transit system. It was going to be uh, the the, the hub uh, that would have connected to spokes that went out uh, the major the major uh, sort of spurs Woodward, Gratiot, Michigan uh, uh, streets like that. It was our failure to come together uh, as a region to be able to leverage the funding to continue. Uh, the, the building of the people mover that that prevented it from being anything more than it was. Detroit decided to go ahead and build that first uh, hub anyway, uh, but because we couldn't leverage the other money and the suburbs weren't participating, we didn't get beyond that. So that's not a failure uh, of uh, of of government in the sense of uh, not being able to 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 operate something uh, efficiently, it was a failure of vision and cooperation up front that stunted what was a pretty uh, pretty forward looking project and made it into something that we now sort of make jokes about. And so uh, the, the the way around the people mover conundrum is something like the regional transit authority as opposed to these sort of one offs. That uh, that don't connect, uh, Paul. Correct me if I'm uh, if I'm wrong no, on my history. There, that, that's absolutely the case. Um, the people mover is the result of failure of a compromise over a more comprehensive system. But to the question, where are the capitalists? Um, the the uh, fiduciary for the uh, campaign that we'll have this fall is the Detroit Regional Chamber, representing small and large business. <laughs> and among our greatest supporters are businesses. And why? because this is so important to the employer community. It's not only about employees accessing jobs, it's employers who need talent and, and uh, need people to be able to access those jobs. Uh, 
what will happen with bureaucrats? We have a 20-year master plan, which will be a living document, but it outlines for what will happen over a 20-year timeline, shows specific routes, the cost of those routes, and we are operating under the law, which says that 85% of the millage collected from each county must be returned to that county to that for county. service. Yeah. And we will be truing up as, as tax bases change. The uh, Regional Transit Authority, by law, will have to true up that, uh, that equation. But here's the thing. Every jurisdiction, when you count the federal money, will receive more than 100% back in public investment of the tax dollars contributed. And the economic results will be even greater, um, uh, of greater benefit yeah. to the individual taxpayer. I, I, I've always had this problem. I have a, and this is a personal problem with the way we think about transit, this sort of what do I get out of it if I put into it, uh, what's in it for me kind of attitude. And I get it that, that, that taxpayers in particular think that way and and make decisions that way. Uh, my pushback to that is that uh, exactly what you're saying. Transit is not, it's not like garbage pickup. It's not like street lights where you're saying, I've got to have my uh, my individual house served exactly the way that that everybody else is. It is a regional service in the sense that it provides benefits uh, that go beyond whether the light is on or whether the trash is picked up. And it's hard to sell it that way, but but we really do have to get to that space if we're gonna if we're gonna move forward. We with this. we have to make the argument, I think, to the voter that there is a return on investment. But you are so right, Stephen. We don't stop at the county line when we commute to a job or go to a doctor's office or go to, to a school. Transit truly is regional, doesn't look at, at county or municipal lines, and, and uh, we have never been connected as a region adequately with our transit system. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Vincent in Detroit. And again, if you want to join us for a conversation about regional transit here in Southeast Michigan, you got questions about the RTA, about the vote in November, uh, compare Detroit to other places uh, with mass transit. How have you seen transit work other places where it doesn't work here? 313 1019 is the number. Uh, Vincent in Detroit, go ahead. Hello. Yeah. I've, I've got one comment that I, I'd like to express, which is how is the RTA going to repair what's happening in neighborhoods? Um, I, I, I just want to say this. There, I've been a lifelong bus catcher, and catching the SEMTA or the SMART and the Detroit bus, they used to work well together. Um, but there was a clipping of where service was provided, and there's no north and south movement after a certain time uh, into neighborhoods. You know, where I live, there's maybe a mile walk to the major street for many of the people who might catch the bus, and I'm talking about the counter bus yeah. uh, in particular. Yeah. But there are many other lines, you know, in the city of Detroit that don't connect anymore to uh, the suburban transit because they just stopped service in the areas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vincent, uh, great question. Uh, great example of the gaps that exist now. Paul Hilligan's uh, RTA chairman, how does the RTA address some of yeah. these things that we see in Detroit? And, and frankly, I mean, Vincent could be calling from almost anywhere in the metro area and telling a similar story. Yeah. What, what Vincent has just uh, told us, we hear at every uh, board meeting when we have public comment, when we're out um, getting comments on the master plan, is the concern about the adequacy of local provider service. And, and 
the local providers do a great job with the resources they have, but they don't have sufficient resources. And what this master plan will do, and if we approve the millage, we will be putting more money into local provider service as well as connecting those services better. Um, for example, in Detroit, there will be paratransit resources available there, too. So if, if you're not right on a bus line, you will have on-demand service at, at greater frequency and, and greater volume than we These have These sort had of in connectors the that, yes, that the sew all the system together. Yeah. And that's true all over the region. But um, we realize that if we just set up a separate system and, and don't work with the local providers, we will have failed the region. And, and therefore, the master plan really does supplement the resources that local providers have. Yeah. Okay. Paul Hilgons, RTA chairman. Uh, what's the fall campaign uh, for this going to look like now? We, uh, uh, Macomb and Oakland have said that they're going to sit out the campaign. Is that right? Um, well, I, I anticipate that the uh, the political leadership, the elected leadership, will not be leading the charge for a tax increase. I do hope the <laughs> changes. <can't. laughs> yeah, I do hope the changes we've made in the master plan will allow them to say this makes sense for the region. But in the end, it's not the elected leaders who will approve this. Um, the elected leaders have said, "Let's let the voters have at it," and and the voters will make this decision. Yeah. We've done polling, and what makes me optimistic is that there is a realization we're not good enough with our transit system today, and there is a desire to connect the region more than we have. And that is, I think, a, a different attitude than we have seen in yeah. past decades. Yeah, there no is question. a desire that, we're, that, that we need to be connected, that we're one region. Okay. Uh, Paul Helgans, RTA chairman, thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. All right. Up next, we're going to look at the history of mass transit here in Metro Detroit. We're talking about transit all hour on Detroit today. Give us a call, 313-577-1019 if you want to join the conversation. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. We're talking this hour about public transportation here in southeast Michigan. How is it going to work in the future with the RTA? How does it work now? If you're a commuter here in southeast Michigan, you'd ride the bus uh, to work. I want to hear from you about what that commute looks like. How long does it take you? How frustrating is it? Do the services run on time? And when they say uh, they will, give us a call, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. Are you planning to vote for the RTA funding this uh, fall? Raise your own taxes and those of your neighbors in order to have a better system than we have now? Have you been to other cities and seen how different it can be if you have uh, a regional transit system. Again, the number is 313-577-1019. Uh, so far, we've focused on what the future will look like here in Southeast Michigan, a cohesive, coordinated system of transit that connects people with jobs all over the region. That's what the RTA is promising us. But I also wanted to look back at the history of this issue in Metro Detroit. How on earth did we get here? We once had an impressive streetcar system in the city of Detroit, but now the city 
city and the region have been left behind by almost every other major city in the U.S. over the last several decades. Joining me to talk about that history is John Gallagher, uh, the business columnist for the Detroit Free Press, and Carmine Palumbo, who is the deputy executive director of the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. Gentlemen, welcome to Thank the you, Stephen. Good morning. Good morning, Stephen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, John, let's talk about uh, sort of the deconstructing of transit in this region, which I think, uh, as someone who's lived in some other places, dealt with, with transit, it really is unique what we did here in Detroit, and then what we wound up with as a result. Right. Well, back in the 50s, we had a really robust public transit with streetcars, with interurban uh, trains and so on. There were plans to build a subway along Woodward Avenue. And it all sort of fell apart, and I think, you know, a lot of reasons, but certainly the rise of the private automobile as the primary means of transportation, uh, you know, created a car culture uh, all across America, but in, in southeast Michigan, perhaps more than anywhere else. And road builders building hundreds of miles of new roads and all the uh, all the suburban townships and, and villages wanting that tax base that came with a car, car type of culture. And so I think that, um, you know, all the other transportation systems, the streetcars began to fall by the wayside because of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've had these false starts over and over and over again here in southeast Michigan, where it seems like maybe we're going to get our act together. Uh, maybe we're going to think about this regionally as opposed to individually. And they just all trip over themselves and fail. Uh, talk about how the RTA, uh, from your standpoint, is different from the other failed attempts to, to get regional cooperation. Sure. Here. Well, the RTA um, is um, created by state legislature, and it's a regional system. And, uh, you know, we are slowly getting our regional act together here in southeast Michigan with uh, the Water Authority and Cobo Center and the grand bargain during the bankruptcy. So this seems to have uh, more legs than some of the previous ones. The issue has always been uh, basically that the suburbs have the money and Detroit, the city, has the ridership and the need. And so there's a question of control and who's going to have the controlling votes. Um, we seem to be working through that with the RTA. And so this is certainly the most hopeful position we've been on in public transit in 40 or 50 years. Yeah. Uh, Carmine Palumbo, Deputy Executive Director, Southeast Michigan Council of uh, Governments. Uh, you're someone who's been around a while, too, uh, and seen how this issue has developed. Are we are we finally at a point where we're turning a corner and this is going to be dealt with differently? Uh, and, and does this change or soften, I suppose, uh, uh, the, the tension that has existed between the city and the suburbs, not just over this issue, but but over a range of issues. Well, Stephen, I think we're this is probably the most optimistic situation that we've had since since uh, since I've been working at, at Semcog. Um, and, and there's been a lot of, of fool's gold and, and 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 hope in the past, but I think that now there really is a lot more cooperation and coordination than you might think. Um, and I really think this is a, a great opportunity for us to move forward on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about the failures of the past? I mean, SEMCOG has, has worked uh, for a long time to try to knit the region together uh, in a more sort of coherent way. What, what's been the thing that holds us back? And, and let's, let's sort of call it out here. What role does race play and class play in all of this? I mean, that, those are the issues that lurk just beneath uh, things like transit, I think. Well, I think race definitely has played a part in the past. I think class has played a part. 
I think economics has also played a part. I think it's those are the at least three of the of the components of why things are the way they are. Um, I, I, I think one big thing in my mind that, that changed actually was the Olympics. I think when the Olympics, excuse me, not the Olympics, uh, the, the, Super, the Bowl. Super Bowl. When the yeah. Super Bowl came here, <laughs> everything worked. It was like an Olympics Yeah, it for certainly us, was right? downtown anyways. <laughs> everything, everything worked. Every plan they put in place worked except the public transit component. And I think at that point, regional leaders who up to that point thought, well, public transit wasn't ever going to work, um, especially for those choice riders, all of a sudden saw, wow, you know, I think maybe it can, and we need to, we need to rethink this thing. And I think that really kind of spurred the, the, the thought process and the development of where we are right now. I, I think that's a really interesting point because, uh, of course, the Super Bowl was sort of at the, at the starting point of the, the revitalization of downtown and midtown that we all now uh, see w- has developed into a much bigger deal. And I tend to think that, that uh, even for people who who live outside of Detroit, or maybe especially for people who live outside of Detroit, that, that revitalization has reframed the way that we think about things like transit. How much easier would it be, for instance, if you lived in Oakland County to be able to drive to a point and ride a train down to the ball game or uh, to a concert? Uh, I, I, I hope, at least, that people are starting to think differently. Well, I, I think that's exactly what happened. I, I think that experience started showing regional leaders that, that people, people of choice, people that had a choice, um, would find this a very attractive mode of, 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 of transport. And I think that began to change the mindset. I yeah. think it's still changing. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are John, Gall- John Gallagher, the business columnist for the Detroit Free Press, and Carmine Palumbo, Deputy Executive Director of the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. We are talking, as we are all hour, about transit here in Southeast Michigan. Big vote in November to fund the Regional Transit Authority, the first genuine region-wide effort to uh, create a a regional transit system here in southeast Michigan. Uh, We want to hear from you. Do you do you use public transit here in southeast Michigan? And what's it like? What's it like if you're commuting on a bus uh, from Oakland County uh, to Macomb or from Detroit to Oakland or Macomb or out Wayne? Uh, What would you like to see different about uh, transit here in southeast Michigan? What would make your commute better or more tolerable? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to George in Dearborn. George, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, how are you? Hi, Steve. Good. How are you? I like your your program very much, okay? Thank you. I appreciate that. I have a comment or a question. Why do you compare with other major cities, you know, like NYC or Chicago or even smaller ones like Boston? Uh, You know, I know they have much better public transportation. But uh, how about the situation, how, how, how good we are for driving to work, you know? I bet we are top-ranked in the, in the, nati- in the nation. <laughs> uh, George, thanks very much uh, uh, for that call and the, and the question. Somehow I think George got it a little wrong. I mean, we're not great on, on uh, car transportation either, are we? Uh, right. Well, part of the problem is that, that the trend in urban living now is walkable urbanism, which is at odds with the car culture. 
Uh, we call it walkable urbanism, 20-minute neighborhoods and that sort of thing. But public transit is essential to that, uh, that people can get around uh, without having a car. And so you don't need all this vast number of parking lots and parking decks uh, everywhere, which have really deteriorated downtown and made it a much less interesting place. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the congestion we see on the, the highways here, uh, you know, 696, I think, is the, the, the greatest example of something that was pitched as, well, this will make it easier uh, to get cross-county uh, in, in the north part of, of the region. And, of course, the day it opened, uh, it was full, and, and it's just gotten worse and worse. I mean, we, we still have this disconnect. Uh, you pointed out earlier, John, uh, how much we love our cars here, and, and that really is at odds some way uh, with the idea of, of, of better public transit. You think about this project to expand I-75, uh, expand the lanes of it uh, through Oakland County. That doesn't help us with the, with the transit argument. Right. And I think that uh, there's also been some interesting technical disagreements over the years. Uh, during Coleman Young's days, it was, it was, should it be light rail or should it be heavy commuter rail? Yeah. Uh, during the early planning for M1, it was, does M1 loop around downtown to take in Rosa Parks Transit Center, or is it come straight down Woodward? And I think those types of things, and, and even with the RTA, the bus rapid transit, will it be fully bus rapid transit with dedicated lanes and lane and, and signalization control, or will it be just like another bus? I, I think those technical arguments have also held us back, too. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Evan in Royal Oak. Evan, welcome to Detroit Today. You there, Evan? Evan? Hello. Hey. How are you, Evan? Good, good. Um, just wanted to kind of piggyback off a lot of what you guys are saying, but um, I grew up in the region and then spent five years uh, teaching just south of D.C. and living in Alexandria, Virginia, um, and now moving back and living in Oakland County um, and working in the region now. Uh, we talk a lot about revitalization in the city, and um, it seems like when you guys brought up the Super Bowl, um, tourism hopefully will be a part of that, and living in the D.C. area, that was obviously a huge part, um, and I think if we keep revitalization in mind, but also with that caveat of tourism, uh, public transit and really improving that has to be, you know, a, a major focus, and that impacts the suburbs as well, you know, when you look at the zoo being in Royal Oak, where I'm at, and sure. uh, just a lot of other areas within Oakland County and within even Washtenaw um, and elsewhere, not having quality regional public transit really limits our ability to attract tourists, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, the tourists and residents. I mean, I think lots of folks uh, choose the place that they live based on uh, sort of coordinated and competent uh, public transit. Evan, thanks very much for that call. Leslie in Hazel Park, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I fully agree with the, the previous caller. Without that, uh, that, that, that uh, extra component, uh, it would be, uh, it, it just kills the attractiveness if you really want to fully uh, embellish how good Detroit is going to be because it's already kicked butt. And uh, I mean, I'm a lifelong Detroiter. I, I've lived elsewhere in, in, uh, the, in the West and, and missed my Detroit. Anyhow, I'm, I'm back, and I, I even, when I choose my car, my vehicle, I need to have something that's going to be small enough yeah. to get into the, the limited parking spaces. <laughs> I don't want to have to drive and drive around, around, around. If, I could, if there could be a train set or some sort of system 
so I could just hop on it, get downtown, and not have to bother with it. Yeah, I would be happy as a clam. Yeah, I, you and me both, uh, Leslie. Uh, thanks very much uh, for that call. Let's go to uh, Harold in Midtown. Harold, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. I was like, I know we have like doing the Super Bowl. Everybody cooperate doing Super Bowl. I had like a, a pass. And I went over to Windsor. I took the Windsor bus. Then I used the pass to get on the People Mover. And also, you could use it on DDOT and Smart. So we, everybody cooperated that doing the Super Bowl. Why can't we do it now? Right. Why can't we? <laughs> Harold, that is a that is a wonderful uh, point to make. Uh, again, how close are we, uh, Carmen Palumbo? Uh, talk about how close we are to that kind of coordination. I mean, one pass that gets you on whatever transit you need to get wherever you need to go. Boy, uh, getting it to to, to, to Windsor uh, seems even like uh, like a very common sense uh, development. I think it's a great point that the caller made that uh, we seem to be able to cooperate. Um, uh, you know, I'll say in times of crisis. Um, uh, or, or or need, and then we go back to our old ways a lot. I think we're I, I think we're much closer, Stephen, and, and most of the the larger uh, areas around the country do have uh, a thing that's called the common the common card uh-huh. uh, that you can you can load up like a credit card and you can accept it and use it on every uh, as many transit uh, uh, systems as you have. I know the RTA has uh, spent some time um, looking into that issue. I think they have some technical recommendations. Um, it's one of the recommendations that's in their plan that they want to uh, they want to implement. And uh, there's a lot of people excited about that. I, I think that would certainly also make it easier. Anything you can make it makes public transit easier to utilize uh, will improve ridership and people's ability to use it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, we're uh, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what riders need in a mass transit system. I want to thank John Gallagher, business columnist for the Free Press, Carmen Palumbo, deputy executive director, Southeast Michigan Council of Governments, for being here to talk about history. Thank you, Stephen. All right, uh, stay you. with us uh, on Detroit Today, and stay with us on the phones. Kari in Southfield, Michelle in Wixom, Jeff in Northville. We will get to you. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. There are tens of thousands of people here in southeast Michigan who rely on public transportation every day to get where they need to go. And for the vast majority of those people, it is not a leisurely ride from point A to point B. It's not anything like what riders in many other major cities enjoy, the kind of ride you can spend sipping coffee and catching up on the day's news. Whether it's buses not running on schedule, routes that don't connect, or other problems, there are so many reasons most people would rather drive a car, if they can afford one, and uh, get around on their own. Joining me now to talk about how mass transit and the lack of it here in southeast Michigan affects riders, and particularly poor riders, is Ruth Johnson. She is the Assistant Director of Transportation Riders United. Ruth, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, we've sort of hinted at this all hour that uh, that there's a, a, a group of 
uh, people here in Southeast Michigan as there is in every community that really is uh, feeling the impact of our awful transit system in a different way than somebody like me who has uh, more choice. Uh, if, if you don't have a choice about how you get around, it, life can be pretty awful in terms of getting your kids to school, getting to work, getting to the grocery store. I mean, really basic uh, life functions have become unmanageable, I feel like, for a lot of people because of public transit. That's true. Um, the executive director of True Transportation Riders United, uh, Megan Owens, likes to say it's hard to get ahead when you can't get around. Yeah. And there are situations where, for some people, our region's transit does work. I took the bus here. And I had no problem. But I also chose where I lived that was on three different bus routes. Yeah. Then there are people who use it, but it's an inordinate hassle, problem, difficulty, amount of time, number of transfers, or just even uh, the cost of using public transit is not a good option. But it, because people have no other option, it becomes uh, the best option for them to get around. F but then there are a lot of people... It is not an option because of where they work or go to school it's not currently served. Or they're, they're in a place uh, that does not have good options. And for those who have a choice of using a personal vehicle, the travel time or just the hassle factor is such that keeps people from using it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about the um, uh, how you see the RTA changing this picture for uh, the people who rely on public transit and, and talk about the things that it won't directly address. I mean, one of the frustrations that I have actually with the deal that we've made is that it doesn't really immediately uh, change the way uh, DDOT, for instance, will, will, will function. It, it doesn't make up for uh, the gaps that, that, that we have in that system. And so there's still a little suffering ahead for, for folks who are waiting for change. I think what the Regional Transit Authority is doing through their master plan is a great first start. Yes, there could be more, but if the, we have to only somewhere. do what yeah. we can afford to do yeah. and what w people are willing to pay for. But e at any regional system, even in Chicago, there are some areas that are not served, either really number of hours yeah. or frequency or having the n same number of choices. That's a reality of any region. That's not unique to Southeast Michigan. As far as the existing providers, they are doing a great job within their financial constraints. <laughs> right, uh, right. I think, especially DDOT, since they had made a lot of cuts, they've been restoring some 24-hour services, making adjustments f based upon population changes or changes where schools are open or closing or uh, business centers are opening and closing. Yeah. Same with SMART. The reality is we need more money to provide more options. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys have been uh, archiving and cataloging stories of people who rely on public transit. Uh, what do we learn from those, t from those narratives? So uh, True likes to make sure we hear from the people who use public transit or could benefit from public transit. And in my opinion, we all benefit, whether we use it or not, whether it's having fewer cars on the road so there's less traffic congestion, whether it's the home health care aid taking care of our grandmother who can get there on time, whether it's the server at our favorite restaurant to make sure that our lunches are ready. What, what's interesting with our Faces of Transit, we went out uh, and talked to people about what they liked about transit, what they didn't like, and their hopes and dreams for transit in this region. And by and large, people were very hopeful. 
But they also acknowledge there are some issues uh, in the past with DDOT's timeliness, mm-hmm. with SMART no longer coming into the city of Detroit. Yeah. But I think uh, the RTA master plan is going to address some of the, the things that we've heard over the years. Uh, one is the cross-county uh, connectors. Cross-county, yeah, that's huge. Going to some areas that currently are not served, such as Novi, Rochester Hills, mm-hmm. Plymouth. Providing faster options, especially people who live 20 or 30, 45, or even 50 miles from where they're trying to go with some express buses, some uh, county connectors, uh, the bus rapid transit, and the reflux service, which is a joint uh, venture by DDOT and SMART on Woodward and Gratiot, so that riders will not have to transfer at a city line. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Kari in uh, Southfield, uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey. Hi. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, I just wanted to make a comment. I'm from Toronto. I moved here two years ago, and I was so surprised when I realized that people don't, there's no public transportation here, really. In Toronto, we use it all the time. My kids love going on it when we go there, taking the subway, getting off wherever you want, walking around. It's an adventure. It's a lifestyle, and it's so easy and comfortable to actually access the city. And it's unfortunate here that yeah. we just don't have that access. Yeah. Get on a bus, get on a subway, and just see the city. Yeah, I think if you move here from somewhere else, it is it is a shock. I mean, I grew up here and then lived away for a while in other cities that do have better pub- public transportation uh, and came back and was more aware, I think, uh, than before of, of those gaps. But it, but it really is stunning. Uh, Kari, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Michelle in Wixom. Michelle, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, I'm well. How are you today? I'm good. You know, coming here 30 years ago from the East Coast, I was a bit shocked, as you just said. Without buses, well, I mainly took the Long Island Railroad or the subways, and then I lived out in D.C. and traveled the metro and traveled the metro in Chicago. Here in Michigan, we have cities, as Ruth Johnson, was it, Uh, Mm -hmm. pointed out, Wixom, South Lyon, Milford, Anything north of Wald Lake that just can't get transit. Yeah. And I know I, I ran for office in 08 and 010, just county seat, and people want to take the bus to Birmingham. People want to take the bus to West Bloomfield and walk around. It's a family adventure. It keeps us safe. But our leading officials just refuse over all these years. Yeah. to acknowledge that diversity and movement is important to our communities. Yeah, yeah, Michelle. Now, I'm not sure about this $3 billion for what? A survey? That's not even breaking <laughs> ground? So I'm weary. Yeah, well, we need you to vote for it because, uh, like we said, it's a... It's a step in the right direction. It's not the whole. It's not the whole enchilada yet, but we'll get there. Uh, Michelle, thanks very much uh, for your call. Ruth Johnson, Assistant Director, Transportation Writers United. Thank you for being here on Detroit today. Thank you. Yeah. I I think it's all about choice, transportation choices, and the choice to pay for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit Wayne State's Public Radio Station.